Welcome to Cougar Insiders Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about position battles in BYU's football team, Sataki's scrimmage insight. We'll have revelations from camp, things that have stood out in our minds. We've got Brandon Gurney's bold prediction, which he should have done next week, but he's going to do today. And then the last thoughts that we have on the Merrill Hodge situation from last week. That and more coming up on this edition of Cougar Insiders. Hello, this is Dick Harmon, columnist for the Deseret News, former sports editor at the Daily Herald. And I'm here with Jeff Call, a sidekick on a lot of these road trips. Good to have you, Jeff. Thanks, Dick. Good to be here. And Brandon Gurney, the internet guru. Brandon, what is up? Uh, high school football just started. I got to see some good recruits, and that's always exciting for me and uh, something I, that intrigues me every year. First off, we're going to be talking about depth chart issues and competition that's going on. And one of the things that happened Monday's practice, we went out there, we had a little bit of availability, and I was very impressed with all of the quarterbacks. Usually the quarterback race is so important at, at BYU, and this is no exception. A lot of drama going on neck-to-neck neck with Tanner and uh, with Zach Wilson. Uh, had an opportunity to talk to both of them in the last few days. But I was impressed with the way these guys were throwing the ball on time with a lot of velocity. Great timing with the receivers. They all look good. And I'm talking about every one of them, not just Zach and Tanner, but um, uh, the Hall. Um, Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall and Jeff. Uh, we saw a lot of Joe Critchlow, too. Yeah, all, all four of them got some reps yesterday that we saw. And I think yesterday's practice is probably the crispest we've, that we've seen these, this group so far. Um, a lot of guys got opportunities to throw, and they looked pretty comfortable and confident, like you said. Um, Tanner, in particular, I thought looked uh, really good, better than he has um, in previous availability time that we've seen. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, I think, down to the wire as far as what we go with where we see a quarterback between, uh, between Zach and Tanner. Well, let's go down a little bit about the competition that we see on the offensive side of the ball, Jeff. Um, to me, just for the things that I've seen, a lot of competition with wide receivers and tight ends and the offensive line. Uh, they could start two redshirt freshmen. Yeah, you look at uh, one thing I was noticing yesterday as they were kind of doing 11-on-11 stuff was there's a lot of mixing and matching, a lot of different guys playing different positions. Trying to, It's hard to get a handle on who the actual starters are and things like that. Um, but one thing I like to talk about a little bit is kind of some of the competition battles. Uh, one is at center. you got uh, James Empey and Jacob Jimenez kind of battling there at center. It'll be interesting. They both got reps yesterday. Uh, I'm not sure who has the lead there, the, the leg up there, but uh, both been getting a little Jimenez is coming off a real serious injury last year. Yes. And Empey redshirted. Yeah, so kind of some inexperience there trying to replace a guy like uh, Tijan Karoma, who's the fixture there for four years. And then at the other uh, spots on the O-line, you see a lot of guys playing different roles and playing different positions. Tristan Hodge was a uh, center in high school, All-American center in high school. And now it looks like he's kind of going to lock down that uh, right guard spot. But then you have at the tackles, I think Brady Christensen is a guy that's really impressed me. He's a big guy, big body. He is a big body. Um, He's playing some left tackle yesterday. And uh, I think the coaches are really high on him. I think he's got a good upside. Uh, Austin Hoyt, I think, will play that other tackle. They say Austin has probably put on more of an NFL body shape and reshaping of anybody on the team. Yeah, he does look different from that standpoint. And then uh, the guard position, I mean, the other guard position, you have Shannon Herring. Thomas Schof has a lot of experience at uh, tackle from last year, but he can also play guard. So 
a lot of movement there, a lot of, and I think that's what uh, offensive line coach uh, Ryan uh, Pugh wants to do is get all these guys where they can play multiple position, be play multiple positions, be versatile, and they can kind of shift if they need to. Uh, responsibilities and roles. So, do you think Ryan Pugh is doing this also? He's trying to engage ten guys for five positions and keep them interested, keep the competition high, keep them hungry, keep them eager, making them feel like they all have a, a ownership of this and that they could play at any time. Have you seen that? Oh, absolutely. And I think the other thing too is uh, offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. And Ryan Pugh, they're going to put a lot on this offensive line. I mean, we've heard Jeff Grimes talk about how they're the tip of the spear. Everything starts and ends with them. And I think those guys are hungry for that. But in order to do that, you're going to need a lot of bodies. Whether there's injuries or some sort of breakdown, you need to have guys that are ready to go and, and man those positions right off the bat. What about running back? We we, we think that Squally Canada is going to be the guy, but Katoa, Zach Katoa has been pushing him. And then you got Bo Hodge. Yeah, if you talk to Jeff Grimes, I mean, he he said that uh, it would be nice to have a workhorse running back, but he's also had situations where you have kind of a by committee, and he wasn't sure as of after the last uh, scrimmage on Thursday what exactly the situation is. And I, of course, they want a guy to emerge. Uh, that's the best thing. But uh, right now, you've got some options, like you said, with uh, Zach Katoa and Squala Canada and Bo Hodge. Now that he's moved over to running back, although he's been injured. We haven't seen him uh, last week or so, but he will be available for the first game. But um, they've got a lot of bodies there. It'll be see, interesting to see if someone does emerge and becomes that workhorse guy. We'll talk, we'll talk about the tight ends a little bit later in the show, but uh, the receivers, I just want to get your take on this. Tell me if I'm wrong, Jeff. I think they've got twice as much talent on the receiver core that they did last year. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is attributed to the experience that they have. I mean, you look at last year, one of the big storylines of last fall camp a year ago was, who are the playmakers? Who are these guys going to be? And the answer always was, well, one of them has to emerge. And frankly, no one really did, as we know, throughout the season. This year, uh, and we've talked about this before, but Dylan Colley's made a real impact. I mean, just his experience, the swagger he carries himself with, being a Colley, I think that's really helped. Micah Simon, I think, has made a big jump. Uh, Talon Shumway. Uh, Neil Pau. I mean, those guys look different, much different than they did a year ago. You can tell. You can tell they've been through some battles. They've got experience. And uh, now it's for them, time for them to perform. Brandon Gurney on the defensive side. Zane Anderson, at least to me, looks very impressive. And he's replacing the guy that we saw on TV at the 49ers, Fred Warner, who had a very good game the other day. But Zane Anderson. Yeah, he looks really good. It was a good move. A lot of moving parts on defense, and I, I think it's going to continue to move because how many times have you guys covered this team and the biggest concern going into the season was a cornerback? Most years? Yeah? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I, anyway, I, I, I broke down the quarterbacks, and there's a lot of question marks. Um, but, but what makes it different this year is you have Troy Warner and Dan Gonwaluku, who they're starting to say more and more, yeah, we can move those guys back. And it's becoming... I don't know if it's likely, but have have cornerbacks really stood out to you? Chris Wilcox is having a, a good camp, but is he really the guy that you're going to hang your hat on? And then opposite him is Michael Shelton, who has his own limitations, just being so undersized and whatnot. Beyond that, there's not a lot of depth at cornerback at all. It's, it seems like most years would be what you where you're just having guys that you're just hoping can play that you're putting out there. Chris Wilcox, if he can just make plays on the dang ball when he's, because he's there every time and he 
fully admits it. I mean, I talked to him for five minutes about it yesterday, just just turning around, and it's hard. It's not an easy thing. People are like, well, why, why does he just turn around? It's it's not easy. I mean, you're just shadowing this guy. You're focusing on your technique and all that, and just that 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 concept of just making a play. It's it's. You know, it's not, it's not a innate. question. It's not a question that he's an athlete because he is, and he's got. It's not a question of his speed because he has yeah. it. It's more about football, just playing yeah, football. Yeah, absolutely, and, and and confidence, and just remaining calm. That's the big f- word that Gennaro Guilford used, and what he used. Just stay calm. You know, just have that attitude where. If it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But I think cornerback's very interesting. It's not going to be a good sign if we see Troy Warner playing there again, and much less Gonmaluku. But I, I anticipate at least one of those guys is going to end up playing cornerback because I think it's a necessity at this point. You know, Brandon, one of the things I really admire in you is that you really nail down the pronunciation of these Polynesian players. You hardly ever say them wrong. I grew up in Tonga. I lived there for four years, and I have a trouble with some of the Samoan and Tongan names. But you nail it almost all the time. Wow. Well, th- thank I like you, Dick. I, I, is so, is Gonaluku a, a Polynesian? No, but you got no. that one down. That's from uh, <laughs> yeah, what, Nigeria I, or whatever. Liberia. Or Liberia, but yeah. you know you do. So let's get in the thick of the Pauline names. Let's go defensive line. What kind of battles have we got going there? Uh, defensive tackles, interesting. You have a lot of bodies, and you've seen some movement. A guy they, whose name you're hearing is Brackenau Bakri. Not a guy that most people peg to be on the two deep, maybe three deep. That's Iranian, but he, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's Iranian. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's an Iranian guy. So, um, so yeah, he's, he's making some good moves. But I think the most significant move is we're seeing Tavita Moanga on the roster. He's It looks like he's going to come back, which is going to be a big boost to this line. Huge boost to the defensive line. Big, big things from that. And, and they moved uh, Keanu Saliaponga to uh, – to offensive line, which I think is a necessity when you have that many defensive tackles. Some of these guys have to move. He has a good skill set. And, and, and from what I understand, he's impressed his first few days playing offensive line. A guy who was a pretty big recruit out, out of Southern California, a guy who had the option to go to USC and uh, chose BYU. So so we'll see if that guy can make some moves going forward. Probably not this year, but but in the coming years, that could be some movement. But, yeah, Tavita Moonga is big. True or false? Tell me if I'm wrong. There is more depth and more talent on this defensive line than they had last year. A defensive tackle, certainly. Absolutely. Um, defensive end, I think Corbin's going to make some, some big strides. And, and the guy I like uh, is... Is the guy from Las Vegas that's escaping my name right now? But but uh, <laughs> well, while you're thinking about it, Devin Kafusi, you know, every time we're turning around, he's making plays, and people are mentioning his name, and yeah. a lot of people weren't counting on him. He was injured at Tentview High School, wasn't able to do a lot his senior year, but you know, he's he's getting after the quarterback. He's showing some speed. Have you remembered the guy's name yet? Trajan Peely. Okay, go ahead. He's <laughs> the guy everyone <laughs> forgets about. I forgot about him. It's uh, everyone wants the new defensive end to start, but he's the guy. He was the guy at the outset. Of, set of fall camp and he's still there he's making plays he's a solid player so i think it's an intriguing position then you have guys like uraelia tua i'm not confident with that pronunciation but uh they get from compton big recruit uh decommitted from stanford at the last moment to come to byu um there's just a lot of guys a lot of guys and and i think they're going to be rotating these guys frequently and we're going to see a lot of them. And, and to me, that's why cornerbacks more a more pronounced concern because they can just shuttle these guys in and out and and, and just see see what happens and whatnot. Cornerback, they're going to depend largely on on just two guys, right? 
and, and maybe not shuffle them in and out as much. And I, I think it's a concern. I think it's it's becoming more and more of a concern every day, just these cornerbacks and whether you can depend on them. There are a lot of things yet to be determined with the lineup, with the depth chart. We had a chance to listen to Kalani Sataki as he talked to the media. Here's a portion of that, what he saw out of scrimmage. Make of the scrimmage. Good scrimmage. Uh, a lot of live work. Um, I think afterwards we had about six sacks and uh, forced three fumbles and recovered two. And so um, really pleased with our soft in the defense compared to the first scrimmage. But, like I said that from the beginning, you know, after last scrimmage, um, did really good with the run game. I mean, I, th- I think it's, it was like kind of a half and half day on, on on both offense and defense. But yeah, same same stuff. Don't know if we saw enough separation from the quarterback position because I know that's the next question. <laughs> yeah. How about uh, the running back position? Is there anybody separating himself? Um, well, I mean, I think I think uh, Squally was obviously taking the first first reps and. But uh, I think Lopini had a really good day. And then, um, you know, uh, Tyler did some really good things as a running back there. And uh, Riley did some great things. So um, we're still going to let him compete a little bit and see how, how it shapes up in the next week. How important is this week specifically in shaping up kind of your depth chart, not just at the running back or quarterback position? Um, it's important for us to get our guys. Uh, I mean, our guys are still bummed. They're, they're, they're going through their bumps and bruises right now. So we'll get them healthy and then uh, see how, how it goes into the Arizona week. How much more time do you think you need to determine the starter, that quarterback? Um, well, we got to do it before the first game, so. Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be nice, right? And it can't be a coin toss, so that's, uh, you know, we'll, 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 we'd like to get it done as soon as possible. Um, I think our guys got to get used to who, who our starters are, and I think in order for us to get that done right, um, and I think if, if we want to be prepared, I think the goal would probably be a week before. So Monday of? That would be nice, yeah. But I can't make any promises. We'll see. I'll let Grimey and those guys tell you the, the, the deal on that. But for the most part, in all, most of the positions, we'd like to have it set by that, by the, at least by that time. Let's talk about one of the most intriguing things or revelations that we've had so far in camp. And to me, I think it's the overall atmosphere, energy, and passion that Jeff Grimes has brought along with the help of Kalani to just try to change the culture of what's going on. These players are excited to play. They're excited to practice. And as you talk to them, uh, you know, it's a little bit different, I think. Every camp's that way probably in the fall, Jeff. But it seems in this camp, that level has been increased at least two or threefold to me. Yeah, and I think uh, guys have really bought in to what Jeff Grimes wants to do and the whole offense and um, there's just a lot of unity there and a lot of excitement a lot of optimism on what they can do and so you can tell that when you go to when you go to the these practices and you see these things like that what's the big revelation that you've seen that was mine so. yeah one well there's a few things one uh, the tight ends I mean we know they've got bodies there but uh, seeing Moroni back is huge that's something that this team missed last year they have that uh, Dallin Holker has been a kid that has really impressed me. Uh, true freshman. Uh, every time we've gone out and watched, he's made plays, and he looks the part. I mean, he's kind of like Zach Wilson. Doesn't You wouldn't look at him and think he's a true freshman. Um, and then uh, another thing, a couple other things. One, Zane Anderson has been really, really impressive to me. Uh, it's a big question mark, like you said earlier, that flash uh, linebacker spot, replacing a guy like Fred Warner, who's now in the NFL. And he's really been impressive with his speed and making plays. And then one thing that necessarily, not necessarily is a surprise, but something I think is flying way under the radar is uh, Skylar Southam. Uh, he's a place kicker who was All-American at uh, Wasatch High. 
and he's been on a mission, so I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten about him. And we haven't seen a whole lot. That we haven't been able to see a whole lot of him, but from the reports I get and from people I talk to, he's a guy that's going to be able to kick long field goal. That's a weapon that BYU has not had in a while. And I think that's uh, a game changer. It is, yeah. I mean, especially on kickoffs. Exactly. So, you know, I think that's some of the. We don't talk a lot about that, but it's going to end up being a big part of the season. I think. Brandon Gurney, you're full of revelations all the time. Give us oh, one. Yeah. Uh, identity was a big discussion about the offense all last year, and that's not a discussion you want to have during the season. Well, see, idea. How many times was Kalani asked that? Right. This offense seems to have an identity. They seem to to understand what they are and what they're doing and what they're going to be about much more so than at any time last year. And, and I think that's due to Jeff Grimes. He has a mindset. He's been around. He's tried different things and all that. And, and players are responding to that. I, I, I think just the identity, just knowing how things work, how, how things are supposed to work offensively is going to be a big leap forward for this. I still have questions about just the overall talent level, just the guys making plays. I think there, there, there might be some deficiencies there. I, I think running back's kind of a scary position as well. I, I, I don't know if you just have that lead dog that can really, uh, you talked about it. This can be running back by committee, but I just think with this identity, I, I think you're going to see some strides because the offense sees what it's supposed to be and, and, and they know what the work's about. So, so I think that's going to become relevant during the season. Let's talk about the rest of the story, things that don't make it into our stories or columns or features or some of our interviews, but things that we've learned. Um, Brandon, Brandon, we, we had this situation take place with a certain athlete at Don <laughs> Diego High School. Yeah. Can you tell us oh, a little bit going, about Break that down. That guy. And, yeah. And I know you pronounce his name right, so go ahead. Oh, I thought you were going to go with the Merrill Hodge thing, but but no. <laughs> Genoso Opara, uh, kind of a shocker. Yeah, you just thought this kid was just going to come in. Kind of a big recruited guy that Utah came on to late, a really re- intriguing guy, but Next thing we know, he, he's a Weber State, and and you really don't know what goes on with issues like that, whether it's an admissions thing or, or what is it, but just him being a Weber State is kind of a shock, kind of a disappointment, because this kid had a lot of potential, potential that you weren't going to see for a while just because he's so raw. But yeah, I, it's, it's a disappointing loss. I would have liked to see what this kid could have done. Well, Kalani was asked about that. Could you give us a report on what he said? Uh, it, very general. <laughs> it, 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 he seemed to in, indicate it was an admissions thing. Huh? That, that that's probably as as specific as Kalani would ever get with with those issues. And I wish the kid the best. That goes along with the theme that we've talked about here on our podcast before: is that Kalani is looking at things. And some of it's out of his hands, some of it's not. But if they can't matriculate here at BYU, they're asking him to be passed on, Jeff. Yeah, and Kalani's in a situation where he can't take chances. I mean, he's got to get guys that want to be here, that are bought in, that can follow the honor code, um, do all those things. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing some attrition, but we're also seeing guys really, you know, being all in and, and trying to make this program the way Kalani wants it to be. I can just picture Bronco Mendenhall, who I know listens to our podcast, just just laughing to himself. Yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> now they yeah, they're beginning to learn. Yeah, uh, you know, well, it is a fact that uh, the Bronco asked for certain things and then he was denied those things, and it was frustrating for him. Let's get on to the recruiting trail. And Brandon Gurney, you seem to see a lot of high school games, and you see so many. You go cross-eyed. What'd you learn this? 
last weekend. I really like Michael Daly from Lone Peak. I, I was able to cover Lone Peak Harriman, and Michael Daly was crashing down. Re- Harriman has a really good offensive line, and they couldn't do anything. Lone Peak's generally not known for its line play, but Michael Daly was wrecking havoc all day long on, on that front, and he looked really good. I think he's going to be a, a good recruit. Uh, plays defensive end. And then on the opposite side, uh, you had Bla- Blake Freeland, a guy who signed as a quarterback because he was playing quarterback for some reason. He's a six eight kid, but he's not going to play quarterback. He, he's he's an athlete. He, he's a guy that was playing tight end. He was actually punting, <laughs> if you could believe that for some of it. And uh, he's an intriguing athlete. I, I think ultimately he's probably going to end up playing offensive tackle. I think that's what they kind of have him earmarked for. But I, I like guys like that. I like athletes that become offensive linemen. I think that's a really good transition, and you get really good offensive linemen out of that. And another kid I really like was Noah Sewell. This is my first time seeing him. Not a kid who's committed to BYU, but a kid playing for Orem. He really jumped out at me uh, during that Orem-Bingham game. BYU's still in the mix. His mom works for BYU. That's why he transferred up to Orem from uh, De- Desert Hills. Really good athlete. Holy cow. Uh, linebacker, uh, maybe even a running back. He, he's he's a guy to watch. Four-star prospect, recruited by everyone. If B-Way can land a guy like that, that'd be a big thing. I know it's a week old, guys, but we need to talk about Merrill Hodge, Bo Hodge, the thing that blew up uh, last week, had a news cycle of about 48, 48 hours. You don't get it very often that a ESPN commentator, an all-pro NFL player, goes on BYU TV and blasts BYU's coaching staff for the handling of, their son, of his son, changing him from a quarterback to a running back. Jeff, will this have lasting implications on this team or the players or coaches? I don't think so because of the way Bo handled it, to his credit. I, when that whole thing blew up, and I listened to it live. It was amazing. Yeah, and I, I was shocked. I, I, was, I, I don't think it was Merrill being his normal self. No, I mean, I, I've talked to Merrill several times, and, you know, it's just, I was like, where is this coming from? This is so bizarre. And I wondered how long this, this story would continue, and it could have gone on for a long time. But uh, that night, Bo put out a tweet and basically put everything to rest, uh, told everyone that he's committed to BYU, he loves BYU, he loves his dad, his dad loves him. So the way he handled it was, was really, really good. I think the best way for this thing to all go away is for Bo to come out and be a very, very good running back. And I think he's got that potential. Uh, his dad was a very good running back. Uh, and I think from what we have seen and from what we've t- people we've talked to, I think uh, the plan is to use Bo in a lot of different ways, not just a running back. I think we're going to see him in a slot. I think we're going to see him catching passes. Uh, I think he's a good, very good blocker. So I think he's going to have a very uh, expanded role in this offense and could get, kind of be an X factor. This reminds me back in 1980, a kid that was recruited along with Jim McMahon at Roy High School, but he was in Springville High School, Scott Phillips. And Scott Phillips was asked to change to running back. He was a quarterback in high school, a very good one, a good running quarterback. He ended up playing running back, and he led the conference, the WAC conference, in receiving in 1980. A great career switch for him. Let's go to final word. Let's let's see what we got. For me, I need to repent. I need to say I'm sorry. In the middle of the summer, I wrote that the tight end position had a lot of question marks to it. It just didn't seem like the experience that they could rely on it. There was so much to overcome, but I'm telling you, having seen it with my own eyes, as you mentioned before, Jeff, Dallin Holker from Lehigh is the real deal. He's a, he's a, he's a potential NFL player. 
uh, incarnate as a freshman right now, and I have to say that I was wrong. But, but back in the summer, I could have been right because there were question marks. But to me and my eyes and what I've seen, there is no more question mark there. Your final word, Jeff Call. Well, one thing I'd like to talk about is this new kickoff rule. So basically starting this year, on a kickoff, you can fair catch it. And it's going to be really fascinating to see the kind of strategies and the things that come out of this. Um, you know, obviously the reason, the impetus behind this is to cut down on the number of kickoffs and therefore cutting down the number of potential injuries. I, I kind of, I unofficially call it the uh, braden L. Bakri rule because we remember what happened last year, San Jose State, where he's kind of destroyed that uh, that kick returner. He cleated him. Yeah, I mean. Should never have got up off the turf. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing thing to watch. But uh, so, you know, in light of trying to keep the game safer, get the game safer, we're, we're going to see this. And, again, it's going to be interesting. I've heard of some coaches talking about uh, maybe throwing a bunch of receivers out there and just automatically getting a fair catch just to guarantee you're going to get the ball to the 25-yard line when you do that. Um, then I've also heard of other coaches talking about, you know, we're still going to be aggressive and other coaches might try to squib the ball, make it kind of take funny bounces and force a team to, to take it and see what happens. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how teams approach this coming up this season. Brandon Gurney, final word. Um, this game, this season rests on the first two games of the season. And, and I know that's probably irresponsible to say and all, all that, but when it's front low like, like BYU is, and, and coaches feel that because that's why they're, they're practicing. That's why they're doing game situations. They have to hit the ground running more so than, than any other te- team probably in the entire country because September's going to dictate how the season goes. First two games, Arizona, Cal. They go 2-0. and Man, they might make some noise. Good things might happen. They go one and one. That saves the season. Bowl eligible. They go zero and two. It's going to come off the rails. I'm telling you. It's. Yeah, I I hate to give that that hot of a take, but man, if they go zero and two, Brandon, Brandon. and if they lose those, because what do they have after those first two games? Brandon, for, uh, our pro, uh, our, uh, you're, yeah, you're going to reel me back. Dude. Our prognostications are next week. Uh, well, I, I, I'm <laughs> going. Yeah, right that's now. good. I mean, it's good. But we're going to do that next. Well, week. Well, well, I'm teasing it right now. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm only doing the first two games. I'm not right, giving any right, prognostic. Applications, but but, I'm, but if this team goes 0-2 out of the gates, and then they got Wisconsin the next week, it could get ugly. I'm, I, the, the season hinges more so on these first two games than at any time I've, I've, I've covered this And team. we'll pick that up next week when you... I, no, I'm sorry for jumping ahead. No, that's, that's, that's okay. All you I can do that. I, that's anyway. what's fun about it. All right. We're coming to you from Thanksgiving Point. This is Cougar Insiders Podcast. We invite you to subscribe. Uh, wherever you do and wherever you can find it, download it, uh, be a part of it. For Jeff Call and Brandon Gurney, this is Dick Harmon. Thanks for joining us.